Welcome to the very first episode for 2022 of What the Actual F. If you're finding yourself here for the very first time, welcome buddy. That's right, we're friends now. Sorry, I don't make the rules. Okay, I do. So I guess you gotta follow it. Anyways, since you found yourself here, let me tell you exactly what you're in store for. Every week I'll come here and tell you some stories about crimes that I have found around the world. Or maybe we'll get spooky and talk about hauntings. Sometimes we've got to wear our tinfoil hats and go into conspiracy rabbit holes. But nonetheless, every episode we will discuss some of the darkest topics in our reality. So if you're strange and unusual like me and you want to follow along, then stick around and we can be buddies. Today I have a doozy for you. Now I first learned about this case when that chapter on YouTube spoke about it. Not that he'll ever listen to this, but shout out to Mike from that chapter, I love your content. However, this case really got to me. For many people when you're growing up, you hear the term, enjoy these years, high school are the best years of your life. I have no idea who created that term, but they were lying their asses off. And this story is proof of that. Because for Skylar Niece, high school will be the last years of her life. This is the case of Skylar Annette Niece and the mean girls who became murderers. All right, let's do it. They were 16 and inseparable. Best friends, high school sophomores, Sheila, Skylar, and Rachel. It was always those three together. You barely ever saw one of them by themselves. Silly in their selfies. Giggly teenage girls. They're pretty, they're sociable, they're popular. But behind their smiles, secrets that would shock everyone they knew. The level of deception, it's mind-boggling. The police were just as shocked as we were. No one was expecting anything like that. Pure evil. Skylar Annette Niece was born on February 10, 1996. Her parents were Mary and Dave Niece. Skylar's parents loved her so much. As Skylar was growing up, Mary and Dave described her as being loving and dedicated to all those around her. Many people regard Skylar as being one of the most genuine people they have ever known. When Skylar was in second grade, she met a new friend. Her name was Sheila Edie. The two quickly became inseparable. Sheila would come over to Skylar's house for dinner to stay the night and play. Eventually, she got so comfortable that she would just walk right in through the front door and into the house. I know we all have those friends. Shout out to you, Amanda Bence. You know I'll walk in that house and open your fridge and eat your food. Mm-hmm. I know Amanda's gonna hear this, so I love you, girl. So when high school came, Skylar and Sheila were actually attending two different schools. However, Skylar ended up transferring to the same school as Sheila, and the two were ecstatic. Skylar and Sheila began hanging out a lot more and brought a new girl into their friendship. Her name was Rachel Schaff. Now, Rachel was a bit different from Skylar and Sheila. She was more of an attention seeker, and she was extremely sheltered and came from a very wealthy family. However, the three friends ended up becoming extremely close, inseparable, some would say. In fact, many people said they seemed more like sisters than best friends. Eventually, however, jealousy would hit the fated group. 
Sheila and Rachel had started to get closer with each other, which left Skylar to feel as though she was left out. It was as though the two only wanted to hang out with them and leave Skylar off to the side, which I'm sure a lot of us can relate to. That fucking sucks. Feeling left out is just, it's, it's the worst, my guy. For Skylar, it was heartbreaking. Her two best friends were pulling away from her and doing things without her. She started to feel alone, uncared for, and unwanted by the two people she cared for the most in the world. Her mom would tell Skylar to read or do homework and just entertain herself because she didn't need to focus on the fact that her friends had gone off without her. She could still occupy her time and let her mind get distracted. However, Skylar decided to use Twitter for her distraction. And you could see in her tweets that Skylar was extremely hurt by what was happening. She even tweeted out to her two friends telling them thanks for leaving her home all alone. Now Skylar wasn't the only one who was very much into Twitter. The three friends were all very big users of the platform. Now Skylar and Rachel did tweet a lot. However, Sheila seemed to chronicle all of her feelings and every aspect of her life. She tweeted almost nonstop. From how she was feeling to what she was eating and what she was doing, the internet knew or at least the followers of hers on Twitter. Now, some of Sheila's were extremely violent toward others, and others were just flat out inappropriate, if you catch my drift. Eventually, Rachel and Skylar's parents and friends realized that Sheila may be a bit of a bad influence. When friends and family explained this to the two girls, the girls would blow it off and seem just to not care. Many of us can relate to that when your parents came to you and were like, you know what, I'm not a big fan of your friend. You would roll your eyes and go, well, I am. So that sounds like a you problem, not a me problem. Because again, we were kids and we thought we knew everything. But we didn't. We didn't know shit. Hell, some of us are still adults and don't know shit. Like me. I'm adults that don't know shit. Anyways, so rumors were starting to go around the town that Sheila and Rachel were actually in an intimate romantic relationship. Yup, you guys know how it is, because when people get close, they seem inseparable and they have a bond, all of a sudden the rumor mill has to go and they must be romantically linked. Because apparently it's impossible for anyone just to be close friends. You must be fucking, or in this case, because they were young teens, making out and touching. However, no one actually knew the truth if the two were dating or not, but I'm gonna think it's safe to say probably not because both of the girls had boyfriends. Yes, yes, I hear you, I know, that doesn't mean that they weren't, it's called a beard. I do understand that just because they had boyfriends doesn't mean the two weren't in some sort of secret relationship. But the fact remains, we'll never know. Now Skylar was extremely jealous that the two girls would hang out without her. And this is when Skylar started to vent her feelings on Twitter, tweeting stuff like, I could just expose all the information I have on you two. I hope I'm setting the stage enough for you building a good foundation here, because when we dive into the meat and potatoes of this case, your jaw is going to hit the floor. Skylar's parents are beside themselves. Their daughter is gone. Can you imagine? It's evil. Raise your hand if you ever snuck out of your house as a teenager. You can't see it right now, but my hand is totally in the air. In fact, one time I snuck out of my house only to return and find my window locked, go to the back door, that was locked, try every other window except for my parents' room, they were locked, so I had to take my tail, put it between my legs, knock on the front door, and get on my hands and knees and beg my mom not to kill me. 
I really wish I was exaggerating. How many of you had that terrifying moment if you did sneak out when you returned home only to find that every door and window had been locked? And you knew your ass was grass because your parents knew you were gone? Well, Skylar was no different. She was your normal run-of-the-mill teenage girl and she wanted to go and do whatever she wanted. So that brings us to July 6th, 2012. On July 6th, Skylar decided to sneak out of her window and she did this by using a small bench under the window to climb down. She brought her regular items that she would keep on her person like her phone and probably keys and whatnot. Skylar was even caught on video camera sneaking out. In a video, you can see Skylar walking through a parking lot and getting into a white car. This was around 12.30 at night. Now, also, by the way, this was kind of a usual thing for Skylar because for the last month of this time frame, she had been sneaking out a lot. The three friends would actually sneak off together in the middle of the night, go over the Pennsylvania state border, and smoke weed together. It was their own way of rebelling. Skylar's father actually told her she could borrow the car midday so she could get to work at Wendy's. So when her father came home to give her the car, he went to her room and realized her bedroom door was locked. At this point, feeling that her door is locked doesn't startle him, he just knocks. Maybe she's getting dressed, she's still asleep, who knows. So Dave knocks on the door. At this point, he's realizing there's no answer and he doesn't hear any movement inside of her room. So he decides to go outside and see if he can like see inside of her window and get her attention because maybe she's passed out. So he walks outside and goes around the house and this is when he sees the bench underneath the window with Skylar's window wide open. And Skylar is not inside of her room. This is when he figures out that Skylar must have snuck out of the house the night before. So he gets a hold of Sheila and asks her if she has seen Skylar and knows any idea of where she could be. This is when Sheila tells Dave that she had talked to Skylar around midnight the night before, but had no idea where she went. Now, when Skylar's mother, Mary, got home, she got a call from Wendy's. Wendy's told her that her daughter did not show up for her shift that day. Instantly, panic set in for both of Skylar's parents. This is when the parents reached out to the police to report Skylar as missing. Now it's gonna get a little bit crazy. Not long after calling the police, the two got a call from Sheila. This is when Sheila admitted that she had picked up Skylar with Rachel the night before at around 11 o'clock. Now we know currently that that timing she gave to the parents was false. But at this point, the video footage had not been found, so they had to go off of what Sheila was saying. Sheila said that they all hung out for about an hour and then they dropped her off down the street from her house. After this call, Sheila and her mother came to Skylar's house to help them look for Skylar. Dave and an officer took one side of their block and knocked on every single door. And then the rest of the crew, including Sheila, would take the other side of the street and knock on everyone's door asking if they had seen the young girl. During this time, Mary thought about all the new cameras that were installed at the building that they lived in. And unlike most of these stories that I tell you where the cameras are not working or are not on, these ones were. This is when they watched the footage and saw Skylar getting into the white car and leaving. Sadly though, because of this footage, Police believe that Skylar was actually a runaway and that there was no foul play involved. I mean, it shows her leaving in the video on her own accord. No one grabbed her, no one forced her, she went willingly. So the police believe Skylar simply ran away. Now, Dave and Mary were having none of that. 
They didn't believe for one moment that their daughter would just run away. They began trying to convince the police as hard as they could to please look for Skylar because she's not a runaway. This was not in her character. Skylar would never run away from home. Skylar was happy in her home and she loved her parents as well as them loving her just as much, if not more. To Dave and Mary, Skylar was their world. However, the police refused to listen, like usual. Sorry, digging into a lot of these crimes has made me learn how much I do not like the police and their shitty detective work. Sorry, not sorry. So, as I stated, they completely refused to listen and turned the parents away. But this was a grave mistake. I spoiled her beyond rotten. Skyler was very loyal to her friends, the people she thought was her friends. Okay, so at this point, Mary and Dave were like, all right, fuck you guys, we're gonna do this ourselves. Because it's apparent, the police don't wanna do shit. They think Skylar is a runaway, so they don't wanna have their hands in it and they don't wanna be involved. So Mary and Dave decided to go around and start spreading the word. They created missing persons posters and told everyone that they could, that they saw, that they met about the situation and that their daughter was missing. And wouldn't you know, her two best friends, Rachel and Sheila, were just devastated. The whole situation had their hearts breaking for the family. They were so sad about the disappearance of their friend. Sheila would call every couple of hours and ask for any sort of updates on the investigation. Because obviously, she cared about Skylar. Because obviously, Sheila cared about Skylar. Right? 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 Yeah, let's continue. So Sheila is extremely worried about her friend. She goes around and helps with the searches. She's sharing the missing flyers. She's doing everything she can to cooperate with the investigation and be involved looking for her friend. There was even a day where Sheila went into Skylar's room, sat on her bed and started to cry. It really seemed as though she was missing Skylar and she was heartbroken. However, as we have come to learn in all of these cases that I tell you about, looks can be deceiving because not everything is just as it appears to be. If they weren't together, they were on the phone together. And that's literally 24 hours a day. I'm serious. There's always, you saw one of them, you saw the other one. <laughs> what was your relationship like with Sheila? <laughs> She's like a part of our family. She really was. I mean, just like one of our kids. Okay, so let's fast forward to July 9th. This is a few days after Skylar's been discovered to be missing and her parents are going all around looking for her and the police simply still believe, ah, she's a runaway, I don't need to do anything. However, everything shifts on this day. Skylar's been gone for a while and she hasn't reached out and most runaways will at least send some sort of contact to their parents, usually. So the police take another gander at the case and realize this is not usual for Skylar. In fact, nothing in her life would hint at her wanting to run away. Holy shit, wouldn't you know the parents of somebody who lived with their child their whole life were correct. Fucking mind-blowing, my guys. That or just maybe the police suck and didn't want to do their job. I'm sorry, I have a lot of hostility toward this kind of stuff because I do so much research on these crimes and I read consistently how police will be like, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do about it. I don't know, how about your fucking job, my guy? Sorry, sorry, let me continue. So they do, they look into Skylar's background and they realize, oh, okay, yeah, we don't think she's a runaway. We should, we should probably get on this case and like start looking now. 
This is when the West Virginia State Police decide they should reach out to the FBI because, you know, they done fucked up, and the FBI joins in on the search. When the first investigators started to look into Sheila, they started to question her. The interviewer's first thought was that Sheila seemed, I don't know, kind of a bit off. In fact, their first impression was that Sheila's character was, uh, kind of a narcissist. I don't want to say kind of a narcissist. In fact, the investigator said that they believed she was a narcissist. They even went on to write in their notes that Sheila was, quote, wrong. Now, on the other hand, we have Rachel. Rachel had gone on a boating trip on July 6th, which was the day that Skylar actually went missing. Now, during this trip, Rachel's mother and a friend of Rachel's mom had noticed a pretty gnarly cut on Rachel's ankle. I want you guys to remember that. So when Rachel got back from the boating trip, she had to go to church camp. This is when interviewers decided to do an over-the-phone interrogation. Her demeanor was described as being nonchalant, you know, like, eh, kind of aloof, not really too worried. However, Rachel agreed to come into the station for an in-person interview when she returned. But wouldn't you know, once Rachel was out of church camp, she did not show up for her interrogation in person. Are you guys catching on yet? Are you catching on yet? Do you know who done it? Penny 911, do you have an emergency? I have a 16-year-old daughter who apparently snuck out of her room last night. She has not been home, hasn't went to work, can't get a hold of her from any of her friends. I am scared to death. Has she done this before? Uh, no. So, eventually, the authorities got a hold of Rachel and they brought her in. Rachel sat down and did the interrogation, and this made authorities a little bit weary because her story was word for word with Sheila's, leaving them to believe this was all scripted. And maybe, just maybe, the two were lying. Now, speaking of lying, rumors started to spread around the town like wildfire. Students and friends of Skylar's at her school started to have depression, anxiety, fear, and severe night terrors. These were all reported to the school, by the way. There was a lot of fear going around the town and in the school. You guys remember how I said that the girls used Twitter a lot? Well, at this time, Sheila was making a lot of posts on her Twitter page, talking about how much she missed Skylar and how she really didn't think she could go to school anymore without her. Then came the really, really juicy rumors. But are they rumors, if they're true? You see, rumors started to spread around that Sheila and Rachel actually had something to do with Skylar's disappearance. There were other rumors as well, one that Skylar may have overdosed and Rachel and Sheila then hid her body instead of getting her help. But again, they're rumors, right? The police ended up seizing all of the electronics that Rachel and Sheila owned. Finally, authorities approach Mary and Dave, Skylar's parents, and tell them they believe Sheila and Rachel may have something to do with Skylar's disappearance. Dave and Mary are told not to mention anything. You see, they're hoping they can catch the girls without them even thinking the police are onto them. Okay, so back to Twitter for a minute. During all this time, there were two anonymous Twitter accounts that were created, and they both followed Rachel and Sheila. The anonymous account started to harass the two girls and posting cryptic messages. This person posted a Bible verse. The scripture was Luke 12:2. quote, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. And of course, Sheila couldn't handle it. She had to respond. She responded by saying, No one can handle Rachel and I together. 
Okay, you guys remember that uh, little CCTV video that I told you about? Well, the police started to review more security tapes, and this is when they realized that Sheila and Rachel were absolutely lying. They were lying about picking up Skylar around 11. The investigators then created a persona online using a high school attendee at the girls' high school. This was so authorities could read all the posts that Rachel and Sheila were sharing. And it didn't take them long for this plan to work because they ended up finding some pretty suspicious things, specifically centered around Sheila. Sheila had been posting about getting drunk and using drugs, and then she would randomly tweet something about Skylar. The girls had to come in consistently for questioning, but their statements never ever changed. This is when, again, the questioners and investigators, authorities all started to realize that this was scripted. They also noticed that the girls may be showing some signs that they're a little uncomfortable. Rachel was very, very nervous. And Sheila seemed to mask her nervousness by being extremely cheerful and outgoing. You know, kind of like over the top. Just a little bit too much, if you get what I'm saying. Sheila also would flirt with the authorities. That's, that's very disturbing actually. However, her flirting and acting excited and smiley and giggly went on for quite some time. Not to mention, Sheila began pulling away from the investigation and really didn't want to be involved. I don't know, kind of seems like they may be hiding something. Their stories were verbatim the same. No one's story is exactly the same unless it's rehearsed. And she's an actress, so she can memorize lines. I'm sure they had it written down somewhere. Okay, this is our story. We've got to stick to it. Everything in my gut was Sheila is acting wrong. Rachel is scared to death. By winter of 2012, the police were able to piece together some of the facts and the evidence. The police had figured out that the girls had driven to Blacksville on the very night that Skylar disappeared. The police also found text messages that were timestamped to the time that Sheila said they were together. So here's what Rachel claims. Rachel was claiming that Skylar had run off into the woods that night, and Sheila and Rachel had run after her, but Skylar just seemed to have vanished. And of course, Sheila verified the exact same story. This comes across as though the two girls are communicating and making sure that their stories match. And by matching, I mean are identical. So now, mid-December, the authorities decide it is the best time to go ahead and give Sheila and Rachel polygraph tests. Obviously, these are not really used in court because, well, they're not always the most reliable. But that doesn't mean it can't help the case and authorities to kind of get the big picture of what really happened. According to the results, Sheila was extremely deceitful in her test. Then, when Rachel was being brought to the station to take her polygraph test, she jumped out of the fucking car. <laughs> nope, I'm out. Don't want to do this. She then ran all the way to Sheila's house just to get help from Tira, who is Sheila's mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's looking real good. Now, once the results were revealed of Sheila's test, Rachel's mental health significantly began to decline. I think she realized they were caught. Now, of course, she's a teenager. Her parents become really, really concerned about her. But even more so was their worry over Rachel and Sheila's relationship. So Rachel's parents were actually divorced, but because of all this, they ended up moving back in together. And wouldn't you know, just like authorities, Rachel's parents believed that she knew more than she was leading on. So let me tell you a little story about something that happened with Rachel. 
Most kids, I feel, if their parents split up and move back in together or may seem like they're getting back together, get happy. Not Rachel. When Rachel found out that her dad had moved into her mom's home, Rachel went outside and began screaming and crying in the street. I mean, she was making a massive scene. Her mother and father then had to grab Rachel from outside, bring her in the house, and lock her in her room. They then called the police because they needed help. She would not calm down. She was losing her mind, it seemed like. She was even screaming and threatening that she was going to take her own life. Her father had to go in and restrain her from herself. At this point, once authorities did get involved, Rachel was taken to a psychiatric hospital near the city. And, of course, Sheila, the ever-best friend that she is, wanted to go visit Rachel. I mean, she tried, she didn't want to, but it didn't happen. The staff was ordered not to allow Sheila to have any contact with Rachel. Eventually, Rachel was released and she did take her polygraph test. Alright, so obviously we know that Sheila's test showed massive deception. Authorities are thinking, you know what, this is probably going to happen with Rachel, but let's just get what we can. Although, something would happen that shocked the authorities. You see, only a few questions into Rachel's polygraph, she said, we stabbed her. Rachel cracked. Sneaking out at night, you know. Found some marijuana in Skylar's pocket one time. Here it was Sheila's. We didn't like the way Sheila acted a lot of times, but being she was Skylar's best friend, we kind of overlooked it. Let's talk about the fact that the girls had a trip to Myrtle Beach for a week. And this whole trip consisted of Sheila and Skylar arguing constantly. Finally, when they returned home, Sheila told Rachel that Skylar was a terrible person and she needed to go. Teachers and classmates also heard the two girls whispering about how they were going to get rid of a dead body. Some of the people that heard these rumors going around that the girls were involved and they heard that they were talking about disposing of a dead body, well, they told Sheila. Hey, Sheila, what's up? Yeah, um, there's just like this weird rumor going around that you may be looking to kill someone and then hide their body. What's up with that? Well, of course, Sheila's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Me? <laughs> Never. And let me talk about one other thing here before I tell you exactly what happened. When they looked back at Sheila's Twitter, they realized something a bit strange. Remember, Sheila tweeted about any and everything. I took five steps to go to the sink. I just ate a brownie. Oh, I sneezed and a little boogie came out. I'm talking anything. Except, Sheila did not tweet on the day before, the day of, and the day after Skylar's disappearance. That's suspicious. That's weird. Now let's talk about the details of exactly what happened that night. This strange game among best friends. Sheila asks Rachel and Skylar how they prefer to die. Would you guys rather suffocate or get shot? Get shot. Shot. Drowning or suffocating? Suffocating. It's almost the same thing. I know, but it's not. You guys remember that car from the CCTV? Yeah, Sheila was driving that. And Rachel was in the passenger seat. They picked Skylar up at around 12.30 in the middle of the night. Skylar got into the backseat of the car and left with the two girls. They then drove out to the Pennsylvania border, which is something they always did whenever she snuck out. They would go over there and smoke weed, as I mentioned early on. Sheila took the girls down to a dark area where they used to smoke weed. The girls talked for a few minutes, and then they got out of the car. Skylar realized that she had forgot her lighter in the car, so she turned around and headed back. This is when suddenly Sheila and Rachel started to count. One, two, 
but on three, the girls pulled out kitchen knives and began stabbing Skylar to death. Of course, immediately Skylar started to scream. Initially, she was only stabbed in the knee and started to try to run away. Now, Rachel says when she stabbed Skylar, she fell backward. Sheila then continued to stab her, and they watched as she slowly bled out. Rachel and Sheila stood over their friend's body and watched the life drain from her. The very last words that Skylar said to them was why. Once they realized that Skylar had passed away, the two went silent. This evil duo had stabbed Skylar over 50 times. And also, Rachel told something else a bit disturbing. Rachel told authorities that they had premeditated this so much. They even packed up bags of gear that they would use afterward. They were prepared, but obviously not prepared enough because, well, you're gonna find out, they still got caught. Their next plan was to use a shovel and dig a grave for Skylar's body. However, this plan didn't really work out because when they started to dig, they realized the ground was too hard and rocky, so they couldn't bury her. Instead, they took her body to a tree and covered the body with debris, branches, leaves, moss, anything they could find. After this, the girls turned Skylar's phone off and left it with Skylar's body. Once they were all done, they washed themselves off in a nearby creek and dumped off the trash. They then changed their clothes and headed back. Yeah. Yeah. So you're probably wondering why. Why did these two girls do this? Well, according to both of the girls, they did this because they did not like Skylar. They didn't go into any more specific details. It was just simply, mm, we didn't like her. I'm not kidding. When the police asked both the girls, why did you do this? The exact quote they got in response was, nothing really, we just didn't like her. You know, most people, if they don't like somebody, they just stop talking to them. They, they don't murder them. But then again, that's not always true because I am here every week telling you guys just about that. People killing people because of something. And sometimes it is flat out they just didn't like them. What can I say? People are fucked up. At this point, authorities go to Rachel and ask her to please take them to her body. And she agrees to take them to Skylar. Unfortunately, however, it had snowed and Rachel could not pinpoint the exact location due to this. So now they have to wait for the snow to melt. Once the police had the documents and they seized everything from Sheila's home, including knives and Rachel's, they also then looked into Sheila's car. This is when they found blood in her trunk. Now let me tell you a little fun fact before we continue. At this time, Sheila had no idea that Rachel had already confessed to the crime. I mean, Sheila figured that Rachel may have said something due to the fact that there was more evidence and the police were really starting to look at her, but she had no idea that Rachel had told them everything. The police even had Rachel wired and sent her to go hang out with Sheila to try to get like her to talk about what had happened, maybe be like, so hey, you remember when we were like killing that chick? Yeah, what was her name? How many times did you stab her? Why'd you do it? However, this didn't actually end up happening. You see, when it came time for Rachel to get wired and be prepared, she started to get really nervous and I guess you could say had a panic attack. So they didn't end up talking about Skylar at all. The authorities just heard two teen girls talking about whatever teen girls talk about. I haven't been a teenager for like 20 years, I can't tell you. Tampons? Boys? Chocolate? In sync. Backstreet Boys? Hanson? Jesus, I'm old. Now at this point, the police are still incredibly hopeful that Rachel will lead them to Skylar's body. 
And once the snow melted, the police searched the wooden area that Rachel had told them all about. And that is when they found a body. Once the DNA test came back, they realized this was in fact Skylar Niece. Once the police knew about the body, they immediately ordered for Sheila and Rachel to be homeschooled. And the girls were no longer allowed to have communication or see each other. On February 10th, that's right, we're in the next year of 2013, Skylar's birthday, Rachel tweeted out saying, happy birthday to you, Skylar, and ended it with, I hate this shit. I think about it at night. I hate it. Do you, Sheila? Do you? The perfect murder plot. Everything planned to the T. But why? Her only answer to that was, we just didn't like her. What do you mean, you just didn't like her? We just didn't like her. Well, why not? Did you ever get the sense with Rachel that she was really remorseful? She seemed to be relieved yeah. that the truth has been told. She doesn't have to hold it in anymore. It's not eating at her anymore. Shockingly, even though Rachel confessed, Gaskins doesn't arrest her. We had no body. We had no physical evidence. I mean, we had all this circumstantial evidence, but we need something more concrete. A month before Sheila was arrested, it seems as though she may have confessed to the crime on Twitter. At 1.30 in the morning on April 1st, Sheila tweeted, We really did go on three. The next day she tweeted, They say you remember the past better than it really was. Your girl is fucked up, man. Finally, Rachel turned herself in on May 1st of 2013. She pled guilty to second-degree murder and was transferred from juvenile to adult status. She was found guilty of murder in the second degree. She unlawfully, feloniously, willfully, and intentionally caused the death of Skylar Niece. Rachel was recommended 20 years in prison. Sheila was arrested at a Cracker Barrel. She was charged with first-degree murder, and the court decided to try Sheila also as an adult. Sheila was indicted for one count of kidnapping, first-degree murder, and conspiracy to commit murder. She was sentenced to life in prison with mercy. However, she never said sorry to the family or to anybody. In fact, she doesn't seem to show any remorse. Rachel, however, was very sorry and expressed her sorrow to the family. Dave and Mary, however, did not accept her apology. They also asked the judge to give the girls no leniency. And I gotta say, I get it. The two murderers that took their little girl's life are still here. No, I'm sorry's, I didn't mean to, it shouldn't have happened, will bring Skylar back. And you guys know me, if you take a life, I think you should be taken too. But apparently, that's not really how it always goes, so you should just be locked up and the key should be thrown away. Why should you enjoy your life when you cut somebody else's short? But hey, that's just my two cents. Y'all better be happy I'm not a judge, cause I would be a bitch. You wanna kill someone? All right. We still have the guillotine. Can we go ahead and pull that in here, please? Thanks. Because of that outward appearance, people don't want to believe they're capable. I've still, to this day, have people say, there's no way, it's just those two girls. Yes, it's those two girls. This crime, to me, is one of those crimes that go down in the books as truly evil. Best friends from hell. I know this case has been pretty dark, pretty grim, but let me tell you something great that came out of it. Skylar's disappearance created a new law that made it easier for Amber Alerts to be sent out. 
The old law said that if the child is not suspected of being in any danger, they would not send out an Amber Alert. Even though it's still a child missing, I don't know, our world sucks, I know. However, now the Amber Alert can be sent out either way. As it should be. I mean, it's, it's extremely upsetting to think about the fact that the girls could potentially get out on parole due to their actions eventually. As of today, the two murderous girls are incarcerated in West Virginia. This case is, it's, it's insane to me. It's absolutely insane. You know, I've, I've had my share of friends throughout life. I've had best friends. I've had friends come and go. But I can tell you one thing is for sure. Not one time did the thought of killing any of my friends ever cross my mind especially because I just, quote, didn't like them. If I didn't like them, I just simply weren't their friend. So there you guys have it. The mean girls turned murderers. Well, guys, I really hope you enjoyed learning about the Skylar niece case. I know, I used the word enjoy. I got to think of another word. Uh, slightly like, even though it's super grim and dark. I don't know. But I do hope you enjoyed this episode, no matter what. And before I say goodbye, again, I want to say thank you to every single one of you. Thank you for checking out the podcast. Thank you for sending messages, sending emails, giving me cases to look into. Thank you for your support. Because without you, I would not be here doing this. If you guys keep showing up here every week, I will keep creating. Also, before we go, I want to share you guys in on a little bit of an exclusive. Very soon, I am going to be hosting a reaction channel on YouTube. Once all the details are set up, I'm going to share that with you. And if you check it out and you like it, I would very, very, very much appreciate for you to subscribe to it. But we still have a little time, so no rush. I'll let you guys know when it's all up and ready. Okay, well, I guess it's time for me to go. I hope you guys are having a wonderful start to your new year. Hopefully, 2022 is better than the last two. I love you guys, stay safe, and I'll talk to you on the next episode of What the Actual F. Bye!